It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. The time in the KSL newsroom is 107. And uh, we have some developing news. New numbers from the Utah Department of Health have just come across my desk. There have been an increase, or there has been an increase of 1,575 new cases of the coronavirus tested positive since yesterday. That's uh, 1,575 Utahns uh, additional have the coronavirus. The seven-day rolling average for positive laboratory tests right now stands at 17.9%. There are 299 Utahns currently hospitalized with COVID-19. And there are there have been 10 more deaths since yesterday. 10 more Utahns have lost their life to this tragic virus that keeps sweeping through our community, our country, and the globe. The fight continues. Each week, though, we hear that our hospitals are reaching or have reached capacity with COVID-19 patients. Like this from earlier this month, Dr. Elliot, uh, Emily Spivak, an associate professor of medicine in the Division of Infectious Diseases at the University of Utah, had this to say. Our hospital is getting full. Our ICU is getting full. Our healthcare workers are tired, they're suffering, and they don't want to see another person die alone of a preventable infection. We've heard that not only from uh, Dr. Spivak, but from others, including Intermountain Healthcare montage of testimonials shared by those doctors and nurses who are there uh, caring for Utah and suffering from the coronavirus. Uh, one such emergency room doctor who joins us periodically here on the program, Marion Bishop, joins me again now, practices in Logan and Brigham City, and has seen from the onset of this pandemic exactly the impact it has on those uh, seeking care in the emergency room. Doctor, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to be on the program. No, it's always my pleasure to to welcome you to this program, and I feel bad sometimes knowing that your time here is time not spent caring for others. Uh, and so I will be quick. You're uh, you've recently had, had the opportunity early in the month of September to speak to uh, students at Utah State University, uh, your own alma mater. Uh, you 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 spoke during the Light on the Hill ceremony. First off, t- for those uh, uninitiated, what is Light on the Hill? It's an annual program that the College of Humanities does where senior students uh, meet the freshmen to kind of welcome those first-year students on campus. And historically, in pre-pandemic years, they would light candles and have a, you know, a convocation speaker and just a really lovely event uh, to start the school year. And you had a message for them. You spoke to them not only as an ER doctor, but also as a mother and one who finds inspiration in things of the past. What was the message you had for the students this year? Well, I was asked to talk about the challenges of, you know, like taking risks and getting outside of our comfort zones. And it seems to me like the pandemic has asked all of us to do that. Um, It's asking all of us to kind of do things we have never done before. And Part of what I tried to talk to the students about is that this can kind of either be an opportunity to kind of feel sorry for ourselves or to feel bitter. And I've certainly felt those things from time to time, as I think all of us have, 
or it can be an opportunity to learn something new. And some of those new things can even be life-saving and life-changing. Nothing wrong with all of us learning to be resilient and flexible, right? Yeah. Uh, you, in your address, I have a transcript of it here, you, you spoke about one evening, late at night, unable to sleep, find yourself diving into the stories of uh, Vietnam prisoners of war. We on this program have talked uh, frequently about the experience of John McCain, how he was able to endure uh, the conditions in which he lived in the Hanoi Hilton. Uh, but you shared, you shared an interesting story about an admiral, uh, an admiral, James Stockdale, who had an experience of his own and a unique way of looking at uh, the challenges he faced. What, what, what was that? Yeah, I was really inspired by these stories. Um, you know, John McCain's a long-term hero of mine. You know, whatever people's politics are, he, he really was a, a great servant for our country. And one of the other people who was in the notorious Hanoi Hilton with him was a, a leader named James Stockdale. And he really felt that he, he said the people who died in that prison weren't the people were the people who were too optimistic. They kept saying, this will be over. I'll get back to normal. It'll, it's all going to go away. And Stockdale said that the people who survived actually took a different approach. They looked at it squarely in the eye and said, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, this is miserable. It's painful. I'm lonely. I'm depressed. And I'm strong enough to do this. And then they figured out, you know, by by being brutally honest about how hard it was, they were then able, able to figure out how to cope as opposed to kind of selling themselves what was a lie that it would end and it would be become easier. Em, embrace the suck is how young people say it today. <laughs> yes. Embra- yes. <laughs> and I thought that analogy for the pandemic was so apropos. I mean, there really is kind of no going back. And the more we can kind of face how difficult this is, the more we can then become creative about how to manage it, you know. If I can't throw a big birthday party for my child, how else can I celebrate his birthday? You know, if I can't do X or Y, how else can I do something meaningful instead? Yeah. Uh, we're speaking with Dr. Miriam Bishop, uh, an ER doctor practicing in Logan and Brigham City. Uh, last question. Let me talk to you about uh, practicality, how things are looking right now as you report for duty each day. We hear that statewide, that hospital capacity, ICU capacity is ever increasing. Uh, w- w- what are your experiences right now? Uh, it's exactly what you see in the news. Um, it's not fake news. Uh, every time I go to work, I'm dealing with people who are dangerously ill or, or close to death. And part of what um, is hard to understand unless you work in an emergency room is that it's not that every patient I see is now a COVID patient. It's that all kinds of other emergencies continue happening. We see motor vehicle accidents and heart attacks and gastrointestinal bleeding and all of these other rank and file emergencies keep going on. And then we see this other whole cohort of people who have COVID who would never be in the ER except for the pandemic. And so it is this, it, 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 the ER has become overwhelmed because we are having to do everything at the same time. And however much you care about taking care of people, it becomes very challenging uh, as it gets so crowded. And then that gets passed on to inpatient units and ICUs as well. Dr. Bishop, thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. Thank You're you welcome. for the, the, the inspiring words you shared with those young Aggies. Uh, and thank you for the time you share with us here on this program. Thanks again. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. All righty. We're going to take a break right now. When we return, I, I told you that the announcement of the sale of the Utah Jazz had spared you some some earlier uh, some earlier conversation about a Senate hearing. Well, now we've got time to cover it, and I'm going to share with you exactly what went on 
in the United States Senate today, there was some heated words exchanged between the head of Twitter and Senator Ted Cruz. I'll share that all with you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.